Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Calling. And I'm Nick Watson on Twitter at underscore NJ Watson. And today we are continuing our deep dive into what goes on behind every major TV writing program as we now take a look at the NBC Writers on the Verge writing program. And to do that, we are joined by a very special guest, Karen Horn, who oversees the Writers on the Verge program as Senior Vice President of Programming, Talent Development, and Inclusion for NBC Entertainment and Universal Television Studios. Welcome, Karen. Hi. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. And uh, like with all our episodes on this topic, we'll be covering everything from the application process and the selection process to the program itself and what comes after. So let's get started. So first off, can you give us a brief history and overview of the NBC Writers on the Verge program? Sure. The program uh, NBC Writers on the Verge actually predates my time at uh, NBC. I will be there for 10 years this year, but the program is in its 14th year. Uh, It was started by uh, a vice president in the current programming department. Since I've been there, uh, just in the, the last couple of years, we've grown the program tremendously. I think one of the great things about our writing program is is that in addition to this NBC's Writers on the Verge, I also ran what is now the ABC Disney Writer Fellowship Program, and I created the Nickelodeon Writing Fellowship Program. So I bring to Writers on the Verge a lot of the best elements that we had in the ABC program and also in the Nickelodeon program. Uh, I like to think we bring those best elements there, which also helps to make our program very strong. And why do you feel those programs like the NBC Writers on the Verge program are so important to the industry? Their importance to the industry is is that we are helping to give those voices that historically don't have an opportunity to be uh, heard an opportunity to be heard and seen. And the importance to that in our industry is, is because we can't continue to tell the same stories over and over again. I often say there are only five stories, but how you tell those stories, which makes those stories more rich, which makes us better broadcasters. And uh, to do that, you have to have more people coming in and tell those stories. So if you have the same people telling them over and over again, we look old, we look antiquated, and uh, that's not a good thing. (laughs) So let's start off on the application process. Can you walk us through what uh, is involved in applying and what sort of things you need to have ready to apply for the Writers on the Verge program? We've gotten together, NBC's got together with several of our colleagues throughout the industry, Warner Brothers, CBS, ABC, other programs, and we curated a list of spec scripts that we will all accept. Uh, We did that for the writers because we wanted the writers to not have to write something that NBC accepts and then something else that ABC accepts. So we actually did that to help our writers who are submitting to the programs out. For our program, you have to submit a spec of one of those scripts that you can find them on our website, which is NBCUNI tips, T like in Thomas, IP like Peter S.com. And uh, you find the list of scripts there and you submit a script to us. We also ask for essay questions. I would encourage everyone not to dismiss those essay questions as unimportant because my belief is is that if you're a writer, you write 100% of the time. And so if there are two scripts that are equally amazing, we'll look to those essay questions to see how the writers talked about themselves. But if they're writing 100% of the time, so we'll definitely look to those questions. We also try to change those questions every once in a while so they don't, you know, become, you know, just, you know, you can just pull them out and dust them off. You know, we try to change them just to keep us fresh as well. And on those specs, how do you decide which shows are 
accepted or not? Is it based on the reader's uh, availability or the popularity of the shows? Yeah, I mean, it, look, there are 400-something shows online, on the air, or wherever. And we want to make sure our writers have the best opportunity for their material to really be accurately judged. And so we cannot watch 400-and-something shows, nor can our readers. And so we're really thoughtful in wanting the writers to write something that we feel is a good example of character, a good example of procedural, a good example of comedy, so that that those shows that we choose can have all those elements of different type of writings that we want to work with, but also that we know that we'll have people who watch the shows and can read them and judge them accurately. And what are the most important things you're looking for when you're reading these specs of existing shows? The thing you can always do is teach structure that you can kind of get someone of they kind of like final draft just gives you the structure. You're welcome, final draft for that plug. But, uh, <laughs> um, but what we're looking for are those diamonds in the rough, you know, uh, and uh, oftentimes, you know, we get over 2000 submissions every year. And so sometimes those diamonds are sparkly when we get them, they're not really in the rough. But uh, we're looking for writers who have a great sense of story. Dialogue is really important. If you have a good knack for writing dialogue, character development, and those are some of the main elements we're looking for. Do you feel there are any common mistakes that you see people make over and over again on those uh, specs? Yeah, I mean, I think that sometimes the specs, they're just too far gone. And here, you know, honestly, I think the mistake most new writers make is that they're afraid to take risks. But with a spec, you have to make sure your risk is worth the reward, you know, so you can't take a risk on something that's so outlandish that it just jolts you from the story. And I, I think you have to be true to the script that you're writing, but do something that pushes the characters maybe more, but not too much that it jolts you. Those are probably some of the, the bigger mistakes that they make. Yeah, so you wouldn't recommend people submitting, you know, those stunt specs where they're trying to do crossovers between TV shows or big crazy ideas. You know, if it works, sure. I think that's a really smart thing to do if it works, if you can do that. I mean, and honestly, is it a spec or is it an original that you've just done? <laughs> you know, I, I don't look, that's going to make you stand out and make your spec you know, be remembered. And if you do it well, it's going to serve you well. If you don't nail it, it's going to really hurt you. So right. it's about the execution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what do you feel a spec demonstrates that a, a pilot or an original sample does not? The ability to write other people's words. When you're hired on a show, you're not hired to write your words. You're hired to write the person who created that show. And so while we used to have in our program, we used to have the writers write another spec once they got in. We, we took that element away because if you have a good spec, that's really all you need is it should always be current, but you don't need two good specs in the same year. And I really feel it's important. I mean, I've been in this business forever, but I also feel that it's important to be able to have a good spec and to show that you can write someone else's words because that's what you're hired to do when you're on staff. It's essentially imitating someone else's voice Absolutely. on staff. Mm -hmm. So what's the reading process like for those specs? Is there sort of a scoring system? Mm -hmm. or are you doing a number of different reads on them? Yep, we do. We uh, have people that we paid to read. They've been curated over the years. Some of them consist of writers who've been through our program and are either on a hiatus or not working, and they really know what we're looking for. And other consist of people who just have read forever um, and make a good living at it. <laughs> but they read and then we have people internally on the, the lower first rounds of reading. We have uh, the coordinators in our departments read. And then we are now asking, and I and I kind of say this, but we do, before they get to me, people have to submit an original as well. And so then 
my team reads the original as well as our executives and the network and studio side, we read them. And so everybody has had several eyes laid on their material before they're called in for interviews. And moving on to the bio and and personal essays, how do you guys choose those prompts for those essays? You know, my kids, uh, I have one kid who just graduated college and one who's getting ready to go into college. And some of those college questions are really smart. And so (laughs) I'm like, what? That's a good question. Let's use that for writers on the verge. Writing, you need to be succinct sometimes. And so we'll ask them to tweet something or just something we, one of us has heard somewhere. Like one of the questions would be like, give us, you know, uh, one paragraph from page Page 262 of your autobiography. And that's a really good question, I think, because because sometimes people will say, like, I want to write for Writers on the Verge, and that's not a paragraph, of, you know, from 262. The smart writer will go into it as is, I'm really opening the book and seeing something, but then telling us what we want to know about them. And so what are those qualities in a strong response to the essay question? It is the ability to tell who you are as a character. Like if you were the character you were writing, how would you write it? How would you explain that character in the stage direction? Like how would you explain that character? I think the strong qualities about those essay questions would, if you're a comedy writer, does it have a little humor in it? Are you able to really capture the reason, the passion behind why you want to write as a writer? I hear a gazillion times, like I grew up in the television was my babysitter. Okay, so what? everybody's television was their babysitter. Is that why you really want to write? Or are you like, tell me you want to write because you can't not write, you know, those are the writers that really get us excited. And that's what we try to find out in those essay questions. And on the professional side of things, uh, at what stage do you feel someone should apply in terms of their career or their experience in the industry? Experience in the industry is not as important as what's on the page. We have two portions of our writing program, the actual writing program, and then what we call the business of the business part of the program. We hope to make you more comfortable in the industry through that second portion of the program. I don't want someone to apply to the program with the first thing they've ever written. But you have to be, to write in television, you have to be able to crank it out week after week after week. And even if you're not up at bat, you have to be able to crank out thoughts and stories and jokes or whatever week after week. So if you only have one script, I don't want you really to apply to our program. I want someone who has a great portfolio of work that they know that this is what they want to do. It's not just a whim. This wasn't just a really good sample and I happened to do it. The people who I really are most interested in are those people who have a nice portfolio of work that we know that this is something that they really are committed to. It's part of an overall package. Correct. And in general, who is eligible to apply for the program? Are there any things that in particular would qualify or disqualify someone from submitting? The only thing that disqualifies someone is is if you've been on staff for like two years and haven't gotten hired get a better agent or something like that. Don't (laughs) apply to our program. Anyone can apply and we read uh, blindly. So our readers only get the scripts. They don't get the essay questions. They don't even get the name of the person who writes it. And is Writers on the Verge considered a diversity program? And if so, what is the program's definition of diversity? My job at the company is to increase our diversity. So I try to cast our net wide enough so that the applicants we have are either gender parity is a big thing for our company as well. So that our applicants are diverse. But because we read blindly, we don't know who reads it, the best writers get in. And we've had white guys in our program, and it has helped launch their careers. So it is a program that is open to everyone. That said, my focus in the company is to increase our diversity. So I will say to you that if I have two scripts that are equal 
in all matters, I'm going to choose the diverse writer over the non-diverse writer. Do you have any specific tips for people's applications? Uh, for example, what should they spend their time on mostly? Their scripts. <laughs> they should spend their time on their scripts because honestly, if a script is amazing and their essay questions were not as much, they'll still get a meeting. Um, because I want to meet that writer and, and then I will probably chastise them for not paying enough attention to their essay <laughs> questions. Um, but if their script is amazing, then they're still going to get a meeting. So that's what you should spend your time on the script. Is there anything that people are maybe putting too much focus on or overly worrying about in their application that they shouldn't? I, I don't know that question because I don't know what their process is and I just see what I get, mm -hmm. you know? So I really can't answer that. I would say, and I would say this if you're applying for a job as an executive or coordinator, whatever, like, I'm just like, don't spend so, so much time on your resume by making it colorful or whatever. Like, like, you know, I mean, like, I, we want to know that and we'll see that your resume, but honestly, it's the writing that we really are most interested in. And so if your focus it takes away from that, then that's, that's not a good thing. Let's get into the selection process. And can you walk us through that process? How many rounds, how many uh, people are whittled down and, and so forth? Like I said, we get on average around 22, 2300, sometimes 2500 uh, submissions a year. Those are read by the readers. And like I said earlier, the coordinators and um, executives throughout it goes through a second round of reading by those coordinators and executives. And then the third round, if you make it to the third round, we ask that you submit an original. And that's when I read those originals and uh, the rest of my team reads them as well. And my team reads probably in the second round as well as that. And then we used to do phone interviews, but I've been um, forced or uh, convinced <laughs> to stop the phone interviews just because it takes more time and just have people come in. So we probably out of probably set about 30 interviews for people to come in and meet. And then we choose like eight writers every year. So, yeah. If writers aren't based in LA, do they hop on a flight and meet you guys? Or no, do you we'll Skype, Skype. We'll mm -hmm. Skype with them for sure. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, we'll Skype. And in the selection process, is there a balance you try to get between comedy writers and drama writers? Yes. Just, we mm -hmm. always try to do an equal amount, comedy and drama. So we always try to have four comedy writers and four drama writers. Mm -hmm. And I really found that those comedy and drama writers really complement each other during the program. Drama writers have a tendency to just stay in their head and, you know, <laughs> just like really just beat themselves up over the story time and time. Um, and comedy writers don't have as many pages to do that. So they're like, well, what if you just did this? And then they're like, wow, that does help the story. Or comedy writers, you know, sometimes just focus on their jokes and not the story and the drama writers help them. So I really love the marriage of having both comedy and drama in the class because they really complement each other. And to that second original sample, what do you look for in those scripts that add to the spec or the previous scripts that you you were reading prior. The spec tells us that you can mimic someone else's voice. An original tells us that you have, you can create stories. And that's what we're looking for really in the original is like the worlds that you create. Everyone wants to know that you, if you're a world builder and an original gives us the opportunity to see that. And the original is where I will say that you really have to wow us. Like, you know, like, are you writing something? Did you take a risk? Did you make me say, holy moly, that is just really a great 
Beck. Like, that's a really great original. Like, look what they made me fall in love with this character. And then they Game of Thrones me and killed that <laughs> character. Like, or, or maybe not so much in a comedy, you shouldn't do that. I don't know. Or maybe you should if it works for you. But those are the things that we're looking for the scripts that just stay with you. And that even when I put them down, I still keep thinking about them. So once applicants get to these face-to-face interviews, who are they meeting with and what kind of questions are being asked? So they meet with uh, myself and uh, at least two other executives on my team. And if we can get some people from our uh, programming in to meet with them, oftentimes we have people from our current department in uh, to meet with them as well. And then I just want to know about your writing process when you come in and and you meet with me. I want to know what you're watching on television. I want to know the kind of stories that you want to tell. And I want to know like what your writing process is like. So I get someone in and they go, oh, I just write from a stream of consciousness. I try not to like, you know, visibly shake from that because I like the outline (laughs) process and everyone should know and do that outline process. But that's, those are the things that I, I, we look for and we talk to them. And then we just kind of want to get a feel of who they are. We are building our writer's room in our class, just like any showrunner will be when they hire writers. And so we kind of want to know that they're really not just, you know, for lack of a better word, they're not just jerks. We want to really know that they're decent people. What do you feel are common mistakes that people make in those interviews? Well, you know, I talk about this, I do a writer's bootcamp and I talk about this and it's like, it's a thin line. Like you have to, if you come in uh, and meet with someone, you should kind of do your research. I've had, believe it or not, people who come in and I'll ask them, what do they think about our shows? And they're like, I don't know that I watch any NBC shows. And I'm like, just (laughs) fake it. You know, like if you're coming in to meet with us, you should at least know what we do for a living. You know, those are some of the mistakes is not doing your research. Know a little bit about the people you're meeting with because you're told ahead of time who you're meeting with. So this is what I say to people, like know a little bit about me, but not enough that you know, it's not a bad thing that you know that I have a daughter, but you shouldn't know where she goes to school because that's a little scary and stockish. So don't do that. There's a thin line there. You know, you should do a little research, but you shouldn't be stalker. Has <laughs> that happened be before? Someone oh my has. God. Well, yes. And it was really weird because I guess they knew someone whose kid went to school with my daughter and they were like, oh, so, you, you know, Samantha goes to this one. I'm like, oh, oh no. security. Oh, right. <laughs> Can you call the school and let them know? Like, <laughs> What would you say the balance is in those uh, meetings between just talking about personal stuff and general stuff and talking about writing? Uh, you know, it's funny because I, um, because I meet with up and coming talent, I always try to make them feel at ease. So I often talk about like, where are you from? And like, you know, talk a little, try to get to know them and to just make them relax, feel relaxed in the meeting. I do want to know a little bit about you you personally, because I think that dictates who you are as a writer. So I want to know what it happens in your life. Like what about your life can you bring to your stories? So anytime you meet on a show, people are going to ask you what makes you a good writer for the show. And so I want to know like where you draw your stories from, what's your background. To quote Jen Grisanti, who's our writer instructor, how do you mind your personal gold to make your stories better? Like, how do you do that? And I want to know that when I meet with you. So yes, I do want to know a little bit about you personally and how that personal part affects your writing. And towards those final stages, what are some of the key differentiators between a finalist who makes it to the program versus one who does not? You know, I want to say that it's mostly the writing, but coupled with the writing, it's how you are in that meeting. 
I will tell you, I get a zillion emails and tons of calls when we get towards that stage. If it's people that I, I don't, we don't ask for letters of recommendation and I don't because I don't want someone, when I was doing the ABC Disney Writer Fellowship Program, I had a writer who had never been to Los Angeles before we flew him out for the interview. And uh, he was getting his master's at Vanderbilt or something. And God went to MIT afterwards and just was writing all the time. And if he needed a letter of recommendation, he would not have made it in our program. It, that guy is a, a writer named Saladin Patterson who created The Last OG and uh, just sold another pilot to ABC and was one of the first and only black producers on Frasier and, you know, is a phenomenal writer. But if he had had to have a letter of recommendation, he wouldn't have gotten in the program. So I will never do that. It is our job to look for the voices that would not necessarily have a, an opportunity. So when I meet with someone, I will say that ultimately it's the writing, but I also want to, they've got to bring it in the meeting too. So yeah. <laughs> and do you think anyone who doesn't quite make the cut that year, what can they kind of take away from that? And what could they do better the following year? I, I will say to you that if we hire eight writers, there are at least probably 20 that deserve to get in and they can't just because we can't service any more than we, we bring on, we bring in eight people. So I would ask that they not be discouraged, um, that if you want to do this, then you should be writing all the time and you shouldn't let one no turn you away. I will also say that I've implemented where we look at the number of time people have submitted to Writers on the Verge and how close they came. Like if you submit 10 times and you get a very low score each time, it's not going to hold a lot of weight if your material is just not good. But if you've gotten like high scores and almost have made it, we'll bring you in for a meeting, even if your score is a little lower, because we don't want to have people fall through the cracks. They they will. People will fall through the cracks because we cannot service more than we do. But we really do look beyond that and look at the numbers, like if you've submitted more than two or three times, we'll look and see what you scored and what the feedback was for in your previous submissions. And and to that point, so you do encourage people to reapply often. What lessons can they take away based on how far they made it? If you're writing, you're going to get better. So like if you didn't get in, there's some really successful writers who didn't get into Writers on the Verge. And I want to say it's because they weren't there yet. Like maybe they mm -hmm. weren't there yet, or maybe they just fell through the cracks. But if you're continuing to write, you're hopefully getting better at it. And don't just write in a bubble, have other people read your work, have other people give you feedback, take that feedback, learn how to incorporate it. And then you're going to be a better writer. So if you've applied and we've met with you, then I'm going to remember you from the next time. And that's going to be helpful for you and your process and your chances of getting into the program. And do applicants ever receive any specific feedback, whether they've made it, you know, to the, the final rounds or not from you about, you know, no, no, only if you get in, we just don't have the manpower to do that. <laughs> and, and, um, yeah, we just can't. So let's get into the program itself. Once those uh, final eight writers have made it in, uh, you touched on this earlier, but firstly, what do you see as the unique strengths of the writers on the verge program that sets it apart from the others in the industry? Well, first of all, I want to say that all the programs are good. And the thing, if even the instruction is not great, the exposure is phenomenal. So I know the writers in the ABC program and the CBS program and HBO's program and Warner Brothers programs, and they know our writers too. So the exposure is great. And 
if that alone is what you get out of it, it's worth it. Once you get in the program, I think the good thing about what we do also is like I said, we're consistently growing our program. Um, we always, uh, look for the best in other programs. And I'm like, that's a really good idea. We should be doing that in writers on the verge. And we, we do that. Once you get in, we do have two components to the program. Um, one is the writing, which, as I said earlier, is with Jen Grisanti, who is our writer instructor for writers on the verge and myself. I like to think that we're the yin and the yang. She's very nice and I'm very honest. So, <laughs> um, so we work really well together. And also my uh, the other executives on my team are there as well. And once you get in, you have to pitch us about five or five to eight ideas for, and this has changed recently within the last couple of years. This is what we've changed with the program. So our goal is to get you to write an amazing original. And by doing that, we have you pitch about eight uh, outlines, um, uh, eight ideas to us. And then you'll go to outline on two of those ideas. And then you'll go to, to script on one of them. And oftentimes, the reason we did this with two outlines is because we found that oftentimes some of the writers would get into their script and it just wasn't working. And so what they can do is just go to their other outline and do that. And so at the end of this writing process, you have a really great original and a really good outline to help you for your next original. So um, we do that. We table our scripts. We bring in actors that we work with from some of our in front of the camera efforts. And we do table reads for the script. And our writers are mentored with our executives in addition to us. And that's the writing part of it. The business part of it, um, we do mock showrunners meetings. We have branding workshops. We have speed networking where they meet the different uh, executives throughout the network in the studio and also our cable partners. We do insights where we have uh, different writers on the verge members who come back and talk to them about their process. We have different showrunners and executive who come in. Like we do all, as much as we can to really get them uh, them FaceTime with people in the industry. And also uh, we do a pitch school before they pitch to us. We do a pitch school so they can figure out how to pitch better. Anyway, so we do all that stuff to help the writers just, you know, just be the most well-rounded. And I will say that there's never been an instance where a writer from our program has ever crashed on a set and mm -hmm. not done well in a room. So, and to that point back on the, on the writing of it all, what do you hope the writers learn through the process of writing a script in that tight time frame? Well, the timing is really good. And I'm, we're really a stickler on deadlines because I think the one thing, one consistent thing that writers who come from the program talk about is their ability to work on deadline and be, be able to turn around outlines or script in like days notice. And that's helped them tremendously. So in addition to being quick with their timing and being able to turn around material quickly, you know, I think sometimes they learn like just the nuts and bolts of writing a script, you know, like um, it, it, not to write just and, and happen to get a really good script. They, they have the ability to be able to turn this out week after week after week to understand why, even if uh, you are uh, going to write on a, um, a, a premium cable and there are no commercials, there's still act breaks in those scripts. So the importance of an act break, the importance of uh, escalation of your story and all of those things, where even if 
if there are good writers coming into the program, there are amazing writers coming out of the program. And what is the overall time commitment for the program? Is it full time? Is there a lot of work done outside of the program? No, um, we meet, uh, this is new. So this is why I'm like pausing a little bit because we've just changed the program a little bit this mm-hmm. year. Um, we've extended the program this year. It used to start in October and in, in the middle of January. And what we found was is that our writers were like, it's almost staffing season. What do we do now? Uh, so we extended it through the end of April or right around this time. And we do the writing portion first and then the business portion after January. We meet once a week. It used to be twice a week, but we meet once a week uh, in the evenings from like six to nine um, or six to 12, depending on like <laughs> how the notes go. Um, but, uh, and, and that's it. Um, you know, they have to turn around the material in that. So if you pitch something on a, on a Tuesday by that Saturday, you have to have turned in your outline, even if you have a day job. So you have to turn in your outline and do it. So we've had writers who do have day jobs and families and they can get that done. So no excuses. No excuses. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, you touched on this already, but can you expand on how you prepare the writers for not just the business of TV, but the the pitching process and being in the room? So we're really lucky. We get writers who come in like noted writers. DJ Nash is one of them, but we get people who come in and, and, do a pitch school for us. And uh, two years ago, DJ came in and pitched a million little things to us before it got picked up on ABC. I think he gave us the script to read and then uh, he came in and pitched that. And to have someone, and DJ has sold a ton of shows and to have him come in and pitch how to do a show is phenomenal. It is a great thing to listen to and to be a part of. So we do that before they even pitch to us. And that's very helpful for, because if you can't pitch it, you can't write it. Um, So that's really helpful. What do the writers in the program learn about both receiving and giving notes, whether it's on pitches or Sure. Uh, You know, one of the things I say to the writers is, is that, and I do this, I do pay attention to them when they're not at bat as much as when they're at bat. So when it's not their material, like do they, are they good in giving notes to other people? And also how do you receive your notes? It's really important. It's the difference of most new writers don't understand and don't do well with the note process. And so to be able to be a generous note giver and a a receptive note taker is the difference in in your success on on set, honestly, or in a, in a writer's room. So we definitely like I just let them go through the process, and then I give them feedback. Sometimes during like I'll call them separately, or I always schedule lunches with each of them. You know, around this time, like when they're almost through the program, and, and give them my feedback, uh, but also so I can get their feedback too. But to give them my feedback about like what my observations were of them in the room, so they can do some course correcting. And once you are in the program, what are ways to best use it and make the most of Writers on the Verge? One of the things I say to the writers all the time is just like your mentors that you get are like senior executives in our current, they, they cover like five shows or something. We always match them with people who are covering shows that are like the ones that these writers write and also who are kind of like-minded. So we kind of try to make it a really good mentorship, uh, organic, if you will, mentorship. And how they take advantage of being able to walk through the halls of NBC is up to them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, how you continue. Uh, I'm from New Jersey originally, and I say to the people, like, once you're in, you're in. You know, <laughs> unless you do something wrong, then you're dead to me. But 
because I knew him. No, I'm kidding. Um, but how they use those relationships is really up to them. But we tell them that going into it. So I don't try to make them figure that out. I say to them, like, make the best of this relationship. Keep in touch with me. I'm not going to go cheat. We have you know, there's, I have 20 something years of doing this with writers that I still keep in touch with because they reach out and keep in touch with me. Also, I can't chase after you to get you work. So you have to be able to manage those relationships. And listen, even we have agents who come in and managers who come in and speak to them as well. But most of them will tell you, and we will too, that you have to be your best advocate. No one else is going to work harder for you than you will for yourself. So if you don't take advantage of those relationships, then you're not going to succeed in this industry. And so you encourage writers while they're in the program to be proactive and reaching out to both folks at NBC and the rest of the industry? Absolutely. I mean, we do press announcements for the program. And so people generally know who they are and they should take advantage of it. We make the introductions too. Like mm. we like we send their material to agents and managers once they are ready to be sent out as well to try to make sure that they have every advantage possible. So when it comes to representation, I'm sure a lot of these writers coming to the program might not yet have a manager or an agent. What advice do you kind of give them on fielding, you know, the sudden interest in them once these announcements go out and how do they choose the the best fit for them? Well, luckily we don't hand out their contact information. So if they want to, if agents or managers want to meet our writers, they kind of have to go through us for this beginning part of it. And I ask them to just wait a little bit until your material is you have a finished script with us and then we send it out. I think it's better if the material comes from us than from them. Like if you're sending your material, if I'm sending your material, it's better. Surprisingly enough, more and more writers are coming to the program with some type of representation. We also tell the writers just to um, remember that agents and managers are working for them and not the other way around. So if someone is really interested in you you should interview them and you should ask them questions like, what about my material? Did you like how many other writers who are like me do you have? Because those agents or managers have to choose who to send. So you don't want to compete against yourself and why they like your material. And also, so we encourage our writers, even after we send the material out to agents or managers to really make sure that they interview those agents and managers and not the other way around. After the program, mm -hmm. uh, how do you work with uh, your studio and the industry at large on getting those writers from your program staffed? You know, ideally, we'd like our writers to be staffed on our shows or universal television shows. Like some shows, we love a return on our investments. <laughs> um, so, so that's the ideal. But mostly, I want our writers to be working. So if they're not working for us, if we can't get them staffed on our shows, I will if I hear of opportunities or if they are up for different opportunities, I will always call on their behalf. It is, is uh, we have at NBC, we also have a diverse staff writer initiative that is for women or ethnically diverse men. And our writers on the verge have first priorities. So we say to those shows, you can't fill this position unless you meet with a writer from our program. The shows can hire whomever they want. So it's not like they've been forced to hire any writers from our program. So if those writers get into on those shows, they get them because they were the best writer, period. But we work really hard and we send our, their materials material to our executives, to our um, pods, to their producers on deals with us. We send them and we try to expose them before they even have staffing needs to make sure that they know who these writers are. And hopefully they will 
consider them first. And what efforts does the program make to keep in touch with and support uh, alumni, especially if maybe they don't get staffed at the end of the program? So like I said, I'm from New Jersey. So once you're in, you're in. We have events where we have like reunion events where we bring in all the past writers from our programs. We like to think that it is a fraternity sorority of some sort that once you're in, you're a member of this. And so they can help each other. So we always, we do events to kind of introduce the new writers to the older writers. We have the Facebook pages where they can go on. Um, Honestly, if I believe in you and your talent, there's nothing I'm going to do to stop. It's not going to stop just because the program is over. I'm really going to always try to get my writer's staff, their success is my success. And so I really want to see them do well. Can you tell us a little bit about how the program has evolved and adapted over the years to sort of suit the ever-changing industry? So like I said, we've, in addition to just the structure and the format of the program, I think dramedies are a thing that weren't a thing before. So you know, we look at telling our writers, just we've adjusted some, you know, writers are adjusting all the time. So it's more of us adjusting to kind of accommodate the writers. I'm known for saying that if um, I, I liken our industry to a freeway or highway, that you have to choose a lane to get in. And once you get on that highway, you could switch lanes, but you need to get in somewhere. And I do firmly believe that. But I've, you know, now that if a writer has written a strong drama and wants to write a comedy, before I would be like, no way, you can't do that. Why would you do that? But now I'd be like, okay, let's try it. You know, there are dramas that want to see comedy specs and in comedies that would read, you know, very, you know, big character dramas. So uh, I think that we are adjusting, you know, to try to accommodate now with the blurred lines that are now it's becoming an industry, a highway with no lanes right. now. So we're kind of, you know, not trying to crash, but we're also trying to adjust. Right. To it's not just about that. comedy and drama. It's a half hour, one sure. hour. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a few of them, but uh, could you touch on some of the notable success stories to come out of the program and things that you've been proud of? Sure. Uh, gosh. Um, so we have writers like Rick Miriagi, who is executive producer of Suits, the Brandons, Brandon Margolis and Sonier, who were on Blacklist and created Ellie's Finest now are from our program knowing that the program is only like 14 years old that now these writers are getting to the higher levels nicole levy is um, a, a very successful writer gina monreal who's a executive producer of ncis is from our program ketoshi mitsu who's a executive producer of legends of tomorrow is from our program jim brandon and uh brian singleton who our executive producers of some comedy. I don't remember what the show. I mean, like there. I mean, like I could really go on and on and say it. I'm sure I'm forgetting some other names, but I could go on and continue to list. Dennis Saldua, who write, writes for Atypical and The Passage at the same time. He uh, Kirk Moore, who writes on Thirteen. 13, 13 reasons why. why. And there's just like, I can't even keep it in my mind. They're mm-hmm. like, I'm sure I'm forgetting some really exciting people, but I'm as proud as of those people as I am for the one who just got staffed, like, you know, last week mm-hmm. on the new Netflix Selena show, Pamela Garcia Rooney. So I'm excited for her as I am for Rick and the Brandons as well. So, so what do you consider to be the hardest part of your job? There's two things. One, the 2000s 
200, you know, 42 people who didn't get into the program. Yeah, that's hard. And I also think the hardest part uh, with the writing program is, is when I know a writer is really good for a show and they don't get on it. That's like, it's really hard for me. And it's one of the reasons why I will never be an agent or a manager. I couldn't imagine doing this for, a, you know, where my salary depended on whether, in addition to the fact that I really care about whether my writers get staffed or not, calling a writer and telling them that they are staffed on a show, I literally get chills every time I talk about it. It is um, something that never, ever grows old for me. And it's an amazing thing to be able to do. But, you know, having to tell a writer that they didn't go with them is, I usually let the agents do that because I don't want, like it's, <laughs> I can't do it. Um, that's, that's one of the hardest things when writers where I really know are very talented are not getting stuff. That's hard for me. And conversely, what is the most uh, enjoyable or rewarding part of your position? Calling, them, calling the writers and letting them know that they got staffed on a show. Um, I'll, I'll never forget. Like I know uh, the first writer I got to do that was Kato Shimitsu as a way. And, and she got staffed on an NBC show called The Cape. And Keto has this huge obsession with Batman. <laughs> and I met the showrunner in New York at Fronts, and I said to him, you wrote this show for my writer. Like, you wrote this show. And he said, but I already have someone in mind. And I said, will you just take the meeting with her? Because she's, you know, you'll just, just take the meeting. She's never had a showrunner's meeting. And he met her and hired her, even though he had someone on spot in mind. And I said to Keto going into this, he's not going to hire you because he already has someone, but just go and enjoy the meeting and Maybe there was no pressure there. And I, I know exactly where I was when I got to call her and say mm -hmm. that he wants to hire you. And that is so rewarding. I can't even tell you how. Because like what I say to people is like, if you want to be a writer, an actor, a director, it's not a job that you want. This is your dream. And to have the ability to call someone and say to them, your dream is going to get recognized, mm -hmm. it just is an amazing feeling. So. so what other initiatives fall under the NBC Talent Development and Inclusion umbrella? And where does the Writers on the Verge program fit within all of that? Well, everyone is special. I am a mom. You, or you can't ask me to choose which one is more special than the other. I do have an affinity towards writers, but they're all very special. Um, we have, on the writing side, we have a late night writer's workshop, which focuses on comedy. It is on writing sketch and desk bits. Um, it's for people who want to write on our late night shows like The Tonight Show, SNL. Uh, we have I believe, uh, I know that that has changed the landscape in late night television. Um, our success stories from that, we have uh, Jenny Hagel, who created jokes Seth Can't Tell on Seth Meyers with Amber Ruffin. We have Anita Suisse, who's now on The Tonight Show, but she was on James Corden for a long time and helped create Carpool Karaoke there. We have a writer on uh, Stephen Colbert. We've had writers throughout, and, and I think their success has helped other people realize that they should do this too. So between that, uh, that program is amazing. Uh, and it's for, it's a week long program that we do in New York. And we have on the directing side, we have a directing initiative called Female Forward, as well as an emerging directing program. So while Female Forward is specifically for women, our emerging directing program, which has been around for nine years, is for ethnically diverse men. And that has, again, given, you know, Nisha Ganatra was in our 
Durham Emerging Directing Program, Sharat Raju, who does one hours, Jaffer Mahmood, who's now producer director on Young Sheldon, came from our directing program. Um, this year from Female Forward, two of our 10 directors are already directing second episodes or have directed second episodes within the same season. So that's tremendously successful. Uh, we also have an alternative directing program for directors who uh, want to direct in the unscripted world. So they go and shadow on shows like The Voice and America's Got Talent and get to direct segments of those shows as well. We have a nationwide search for stand-up comedians called Stand Up NBC. People like Dion Cole and Amanda Seals and Yvonne Orgy and Rel Howry and uh, Tone Bell and Kamal Bell and Dulce Sloan, who's on a correspondent on Trevor Noah, and Julio Torres, who's a writer on SNL, and Jordan Fisher, who's a writer on Tonight Show now, all have come from Stand Up NBC plus more. Uh, we just launched a below the line program for uh, diverse production assistants and production coordinators. We're launching that this year with these shows. That's about it. Yeah. Great. And we'll link all those programs in our show show notes. Great. What do you see for the future of the Writers of the Verse program, as well as your other initiatives, as well as the challenges they may face? First of all, these programs are very lucky to live in a company that this is not just something that we check a box for. It's a part of our DNA. We really believe in it. And we work really hard to see the success of the participants of this program. One of the challenges with Writers on the Verge has always been that it doesn't, like with our directing program, we guarantee them an episode within the same season as they shadow. We pay for them to shadow. We guarantee them an episode to direct. There is no guarantee in our writing program that once you go into our program, you're going to get staffed on a show. So we're working really hard to find ways to better incentivize our shows to take these writers because these writers have gone on and been tremendously successful other places. We want them to have their success within NBC. So we're working on ways and hopefully maybe we can, you know, we'll figure, I think we're, we're tooling with something, which I won't announce, but like we're working on something to try to get there our shows to better incentivize it to take our writers on the verge help that way like really making sure that these eight writers who get into our program will get staffed there are other programs where i believe that the shows can only hire from their programs that's not at nbc our shows can hire whoever they want and we want to better incentivize them to hire our writers so to capital off do you have any final advice for writers thinking about submitting to your program I would say if you're thinking of submitting to Writers on the Verge or any program within the industry, make sure you write something that you really love. You know, uh, there are enough shows in that selection we're giving you to hopefully find something that you love and you write, write something you know, and watch television. It's really important. It's, you know, I think oftentimes they think it's easier than it is. And if you were a doctor, you would study every book about medicine before you know you get an opportunity to practice. This, no, study this. Study, you have a tool right in front of you. You probably carry it around you on your phone. You can watch anything, anytime, anywhere, watch stuff and watch it critically. Like watch something and say what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it, and what would you do to make that something you like better. Start thinking in those ways. Never go into, a showrunner's meeting and say, this is what I would do to make your show better because I guarantee you, you won't get that job, but really kind of watch things critically and just be a student of what you want to do. And the lessons you've learned will take you a long way. 
And for those looking to apply for the program, can you let us know the website, social media places they can find more information and apply? Sure. Follow us on Facebook at NBC Uni Tips, T-I-P-S. Uh, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, or you can follow me at khorn1234 on Twitter and Karen Horn on Instagram. Um, if you don't mind seeing some of the luscious food pictures that I put up there that I cook as well, you can always watch those. Um, but you also can follow us on our website, which is NBCUNITipsTIPS.com, and that will give you all submission dates and qualifications. And uh, before we go, if you enjoyed this episode and want to be notified when the next episode of the TV Running Program series drops, don't forget to subscribe to our Paper Team podcast. You will get access to all 120 plus episodes about the craft and the business of TV writing, available on both iTunes at paperteam.co slash iTunes and all Android podcast viewers at paperteam.co slash Android. And we are now also on Patreon, so consider supporting the podcast on our Patreon page at paperteam.co slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, to get Get things like cheat sheets, bonus content, and merch so we can keep producing a great show like this one for you every week. So thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in and thanks so much to Karen for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. This is fun. Good this luck to great. everyone. Submit. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. And you can get all the show notes and all the information about the Writers on the Verse program at paperteam.co slash 132. And as always, I'm on Twitter at TV Calling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. If you want to recap your social media. At NBC UNI Tips on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're continuing our deep dive into the writing programs as we sit down with Rebecca Windsor, who oversees the Warner Brothers Television Writers Workshop. So tune in next week for that one. She's right. awesome. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll see you then.